0: Take your Bibles, if you've got them with me, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. They're in those great epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I want you to find Ephesians chapter 2. Before we look at that, I want to say a special hello tonight. Joining us from the other side of the world in Vietnam are our friends in Vietnam, Jean and Ham Ray. They're our pastors of Lamb's Chapel Vietnam. Hi to y'all. So good to have y'all with us. And I love them guys. They do a great work over there. And uh, they're also celebrating something today. I'm going to show you a picture. Y'all watch this. Put my picture up there, boys. Okay. I many of you know that goes way back? Pay no attention to the chubby preacher on the left. That goes a long way back. That's when they got married about a thousand years ago, a long time ago. They're celebrating their anniversary today and we want to say happy anniversary to you. Put my other one up there and, and uh, show that right there. There they are now. And so happy anniversary. God bless you. We love y'all. Appreciate what you're doing over there. Glad to be a part of it. Okay. Thank you guys. Let me tell you what happened. Um, they, they met, they're going to get married. He'd been over there. She's going to come over here and they're going to get married. Well, came time for her to get married. And, uh, I mean, for them to get married, she had just gotten off the boat from Vietnam. She knew no English. And so Jean already had the wedding ceremony, everything lined up. And I knew, I know no Vietnamese. Well, I legally, you, I got to ask you something and you got to answer me or you're not legally married. And I said, we don't speak the same language, what are we gonna do? And he said, I'll write something down for you and you say it. He said, if she smiles, that's a yes. I said, I don't know if that's legal or not. She, she's gotta at least grunt. Tell her if she'll grunt, she can be married. And so I forget what he wrote down, ho chi ming hung hum, something like that. And I I said it and she smiled. I said, You're married. Kiss her. I said, it's good to go. Everything's great. All these years together, God's blessed them tremendously, and we love y'all. Great work they're doing I'm glad to be a part of it. All right, I want you to take your Bibles. We're going to look tonight. We're going to talk about predestination. Predestination. You ever heard that? You ever heard of predestination? How many of you believe in it? Okay, I hope you believe in it when we're done. We're going to talk about predestination tonight. Am I predestined? We're going to look at scriptures. I want want to build a case from scripture for you for this. And what am I predestined for? Let me tell you what what I see from scripture. You're predestined for good. You are predestined for good. When I say something like that, you say amen. Okay, predestined for good. I want to take just a minute and uh, let, let, me tell you, let me tell you why this is important to you. This is so foundational uh, for your, to have a good life until it was deeply written in my soul that I was predestined for some things I didn't pursue. them. But when I became convinced by the Holy Spirit and in Scripture that I was predestined for some things to live out, I began to pursue those things. And it, it brings such joy into your life to know uh, as, as some people have been told, you were an accident. No, you were a surprise to somebody, but you are not an accident. And I'm going to show you that. now, And I want it written on your soul that I am predestined for something. So you can go after it. I want you to see it in scripture. Don't, I want you to be able to build a case from scripture on this thing. Let's look at the Bible on predestination. And I'm going to look at a few verses. I want you to see it clearly in scripture. Now, let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to see it in the Bible. I don't want to take a weird verse and twist it to say what I want it to say. I want you to be able to say, well, I heard what he said, but I see that in God's word. I'm going to be gone one day. This world will be here forever. And I want you to see it in his word. Ephesians 2.10. I love this verse. Great verse. It says this. We are his workmanship. How many of you believe that you are the workmanship of God? All right. You know what the word workmanship means. Literally, some other translations say work of his hand. How many of you believe that you exist because God's hand put you here? All right. We're his workmanship. We're created. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, in Christ Jesus for good. All right. Got it. Let that sink in. I was created by God. I'm the work of his hand. And I was created for what? Good. And it says works, but the word works is just hang on a minute. I was created by God for good. Good works. Good. And by works, it don't mean go out and be an evangelist or a missionary. That's not what it means. I was just created by God for some good things. You can parallel this verse with Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good. Good. Plans for good. All right, let's read it. <clears throat> the Bible said in Ephesians 2:10, 10, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good, which God prepared when? What does beforehand mean? Does that mean before I was born? Absolutely. We're going to build that. That we should walk in them or live them out. This is the foundational verse of predestination. God planned some things before I was born. And then he created me by the work of his hand for some good things that I should. What does it mean? Walk it out that I should experience in my life. Can you see from that verse that you are predestined? Predestined means I had a destiny pre- before I was born, somebody saw me and I had a destiny pre and you know what I want to do? I want to hit the last part that says, let's get him." I want to live it out. I want to see what he's predestined me for. Right, this is the foundational verse for predestination. Let me say something. I want you to, I want you to grip what I'm fixing to say here. The only reason I exist is because he wanted me to. I only exist because he wanted me to. You got it? And uh, I I am not an accident. I'm not a sack of cells that's a biological product. I am created by the hand of God. And the only reason I'm walking on this planet today is because he wanted me to be on this planet. And he has a destiny for me. I want you to see that. All righty. Secondly, I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Now remember, the Bible is God revealing himself to you. What else is the Bible? The Bible is God revealing you to you. I know you've heard this said before, but this is why we look at different parts of it. The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are where you find out who Jesus is. The four epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, is where you find out who you are. And the Bible is God revealing himself to you and revealing you to you. Jeremiah chapter one, I love this also. Let me just pause and say this. Somebody said to me, why do you always say I love this before you read it? Do you love all of it? Just thought you need to know that. (laughs) Jeremiah 1 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying before. What's the word before mean? Okay, you got it. Before I formed you in the womb. Who put you together in your mother's womb? Let me ask you a question. Was God in your mother's womb? What does it say right here? I formed you in that womb. But what happened before he put his hand on me in my mother's womb? What does it mean? I knew you. Did God know about me before 1957, which is the year of my birth? What does it say? Before my hand touched you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And the Hebrew word here knew is much like the Greek word knew. It's not just passing knowledge. I I was acquainted with you. I was intimate with you. Do you remember the Bible? that said that Joseph took Mary as his wife and he did not know her until after Jesus was born. It doesn't just mean knowledge. I was very well acquainted with you before my hand touched you in your mother's womb. So that goes way back. And then he said this, before you were born, before you were born, I sanctified you. Now, don't let the word sanctification, don't let it mess you up. I know you've heard it in maybe some crazy religious stuff. Sanctified simply means destined or set apart for something before you were born I knew you and before you were born I planned and set you apart for some things sanctified means set apart for some things so was was God's mind on me before my mom ever met my daddy can you see it in scripture very clear and then he said this I ordained you a prophet I'm out of here hang on a minute that part doesn't apply to you right there but you can see there is an ordination for things in life. So before he knew me, as a matter of fact, let let me show you how far back it goes. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter one. I'm going to do four or five scriptures to lay a foundation for predestination. 2 Timothy chapter one. Let me show you how far back this goes. All right, this is one of the other great verses, the foundational verse of predestination. 2 Timothy 1.9. It's talking about the Father. Uh, 2 Timothy, if you, it's right behind 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 9. God has saved us and called us with a pure, beautiful, holy calling. Not according to our works. Listen to me. His plans for your life have nothing to do with whether you're a good or bad person. He's above that. Your works have, the way you live, your works have nothing to do with the plan. But according to His own purpose and kindness which was given to us when? In Christ Jesus, look at those words, before time began. Can you see that he not only knew you before he knit you in your mother's womb, before Genesis 1-1, he knew you. And he had a purpose and grace was over your life before he ever said, let there be life. You say, man, explain that. I can't, nobody else can, but I believe it. I go way back. You say, how old are you? Before time began in the mind of God. And I, I showed up on the planet in 1957. But before time began, I had received a purpose in life and grace. And it was called. And then he called me way back before that. Matter of fact, let me, let me show you. Well, let's look at one more. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I, I want it deep in your heart, deep in your heart that you are not an accident. You're not just one of eight billion people. In Psalm 139, I, this is a uh, this is a to God. I started to say I love this. This is a to God be the glory passage right here. Psalm 139 is wonderful. I want you to look at what it says. <clears throat> the whole psalm is beautiful, but let's look at a few verses. Beginning in verse 13, Psalm 139:13. You got it. For you formed my inward parts; you knit me in my mother's womb. Question: Was God at work inside your mother? What does that say right there? You formed me. You knit me. The Hebrew words knit. I think some Bibles translate it covered. It's the Hebrew word knit or put together. God was in your mother's womb. What was he doing? Putting you together. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows right well. Listen, your soul, you got to get this down in your soul. Your soul needs to know right now. I am not an accident. I'm not just one of many. God was there. And this is wonderful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's down in my heart. I know this. Get it down in us Now watch this. Verse 15. My frame, literally the Hebrew word, my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully put together in the lowest parts of the earth. Lowest parts of the earth is another word for deep in my mother's womb. All right. Now watch this. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Did God see me before my mom and daddy met? Your eyes saw my substance before while I was yet unformed before I got here. The Bible says this. And in your book, how many of you know God's got a book and we're not talking about the Bible here. God's got another book. The Bible speaks of numerous books that he has. Revelation chapter 21 talks, or excuse me, 19, talks about his books being opened. But here he's talking about a book that he writes in. I want you to see what it says. <clears throat> your eyes saw my substance, verse 16, being yet unformed. And in your book, all they all were written, the days planned for me. When there were as yet none of them. What does it mean, none of them? Before God defied a day from night, he saw you. And he wrote things about you in his book before he ever separated day and night. You, you go way back with God. You go way back in the heart and mind of God. He saw you way back before time when as yet there were none of them. And, and this is the, this is the, these are the foundational scriptures for what we call predestination. I had a destiny before I was born. I, and listen, not only was I not an accident, I was created by God. Can you see through these scriptures? I was created by God with a... With specific plans, can you see it, and purposes that we could enjoy them and live them out? All righty. well, brother Brian, what's uh, what's God's will for my life? What is God's plan? If He's got plans for my life, what are they? Now, listen to what I'm fixing to say. Let me change the way you think. We think like Americans instead of like the Bible says. When you when somebody says I want to find God's plan for my life, you know what they're thinking about most of the time? Vocation. Does God want me to be a missionary, a nurse? A pharmacist? Listen, vocation is one of the smallest of His plans for you. Don't even think vocation. That's not one of His big plans for you. Uh, Bigger than your vocation, that's just not the big issue with Him. Whether you're a truck driver or a doctor is not really that big an issue with Him. Do you understand this? He's got bigger plans for you than driving a truck or being a doctor. Here's His all-time... If you say, what's God's plan for my life? You, here's what it is. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. You know this verse and it says this. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that they might have a life and have it more abundantly. If you don't know God's destined plans for your life, it is abundant life. You say, well, how come not all of his children are having an abundant life? That goes back to John 1010 a The one who comes to steal... Kill and destroy. Let's turn that around. If I have come that you might have abundant life, a great life in every area of your life, and the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, what does the thief come to steal from me? The abundant life I was destined for. You see that before God said, let there be light, he knew you. He had plans for an abundant life for you. And then he went to work in your mother's womb and knit you. And you were born on the day, uh, the book of Acts says this, he determined the day you'd be born and the place you'd be born. September 1957, Catholic Hospital in Charlotte. That was, that was my destiny day. That's when I, I wasn't created then, I made my appearance then. And uh, God's plan for your life is a wonderful life. Abundant life. We, we got to write that as far as the, the big deal. Let me, let me tell you what I've heard before. I've heard parents say this about their... In America, we are so eat up with vocation. We think that life evolves around your vocation. It does not. I've heard parents say this, and I agree with them. I don't care whether my child becomes president or drives a trash truck as long as they have a great life, a great family, and are a contributing citizen. That's the heart of God. And that we have different you know, job is a minor league one. It's not even in the top four and we should have that heart. We, uh, one of the young ladies who sang, Caitlin sang up here tonight, her grandfather and I were best buddies uh, back when Mr. Lincoln was in the White House, long time ago, uh, well, I was young, he's a little bit older than me. And uh, I remember we're sitting by the fire one night, we're talking about life and he had two, two boys. One of them was her dad. And he said, preacher, he said, my goal in life is to raise two great young men that will love God and love their families and be a blessing to this nation. He didn't say a thing about whether they drive a truck, you know, become backhoe operators, be farm. That's not the issue with a father's heart. A father's heart wants a child to have a great life. You are destined by God for abundant life. And the scripture teaches us very clearly. By the way, he, this coming Saturday, he'll be with Jesus two years, two years ago that he went home this coming Saturday. Now the Bible says this, and here's what I want you to, I want you to know you're predestined, but here, Here's the destiny. He has four major areas that you are destined for in life, according to Scripture. And he wants you to get every one of them. Listen, not even three out of four is good enough. Let me tell you why. His son bled his life out to give you everything God planned for you. Let's don't leave anything on the table. Let's get it all. We want to get everything he died to give us. And I want to give you the four major plans. And let me tell you something. Vocation is one of the minor ones. Now, I'm called by God to be a preacher. I know I am because I tried to do everything else. I'm called to be a preacher. I know that. But that's not his big plan for my... What if the only thing I can say with my life is, I was a preacher. I've missed the big stuff. Four major errors. Number one, you are predestined by him to enjoy the Father. That's the purpose of your creation. You see, I, I never heard of enjoying God. Listen to this. Delight yourself in the Lord. You were, you were called of God. You were created by God to, to enjoy Him. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9, here's part of your destiny. God is faithful who has called us into the fellowship of His dear Son. God is faithful. He called me to enjoy His Son. 1 John chapter 1 uh, teaches us this. These things are written that you might have fellowship with the Father, that your joy might be full. Can I ask you a question? Go back to the origin of creation the first three chapters of Genesis, God created man. He put him in the garden to do what? He said, but attend the garden. God stepped down every day and they walked together and they enjoyed each other. Your destiny is to enjoy God, to get to know him. Now here's the problem. It it, just almost cracks my egg to think that the creator of the universe who fills heaven and earth would come down to me and want to have coffee with me. Let me help you understand this. I want you to see this in Scripture. Turn with me to Psalm one thirty nine. We're pretty close there. Psalm one thirty nine. Excuse me, one thirteen. Psalm one thirteen about how God comes down. Psalm one thirteen. of even believe that uh, as in Abraham, who was called the. Do you remember the title of Abraham? Abraham was called the friend of God. I wonder what they did. What did you do to be the friend of God? Enoch, the Bible said Enoch walked with God. And uh, he's he's not the cosmic dictator. He's a father. Now look how this works in Psalm 113. Uh, I'm sorry, I almost said I love this. Psalm 113. The scripture says this, verse 4. Psalm 113.4. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high? Can you understand this? You, you, you go to the furthest star in the system, He's all around it. I, I mean, who can explain? Listen to what Isaiah says. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. He's that big. You say, well, how can I, how can I enjoy a guy like that? It's in the next verse. It says this who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. He fills heaven and earth, but he loves to, what does humble mean? He loves to come down to the earth, to where people, let me help you understand this. He will come down to my level in order to meet me and enjoy me. All right, we were talking about this day. Years ago when my little, my girls are grown now, but they were little years ago. And we lived, we, for just two years, we lived in an awful place called a neighborhood. All right in this neighborhood we live, and built a new house in that neighborhood. And behind the house, I built a playhouse. And that, play, that was their little, that was their house, their playhouse, their house. And in that playhouse, they had their little table, little chairs, little kitchen thing. Play, uh, what, what, what's the name of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little tie. I saw that. I had that the little play stuff in there, you know. And my oldest daughter, she would have all these little dresses. Little fancy, she'd fancy up. And I'd come, she'd say, come to my house for a tea party. I'd say, Okay. And I'd go out there and I'd sit down in this little chair and she'd have, the, she'd have the cups out there and I'd have this little cup, little tiny handle and she'd say, she'd say thank you so much for coming to my party. I'd say, thank you so much for inviting me. And we'd just have a little tea party. They had the best time and we'd just visit and had just, oh, it's so much fun. And, and then I'd get ready to leave. She'd say, well, thank you for coming. I'd say, let me tell you what that is. I came down to her level so we could enjoy each other. I came down to her level. I didn't ask her to come up here with me to my level. I came. I humbled myself to behold and to relate to her on her level. That's what the Bible teaches. Who is like the Lord our God who fills heaven and earth, but who comes down and humbles himself to behold the things in the earth? And I was created to enjoy him. It, it's his delight. I maybe thinks he thinks. I you think he's got something he enjoys. What's the one thing God enjoys? Proverbs says this the prayer of the upright is his delight. He loves for you to talk to him. Uh, you know, if my phone rings and I look at it, and if it I'll probably just bypass it. But if it's got three names on there, I'm gonna say, hey, sweetheart, I love for my children to call me. They do it twice a year now that they're grown. I love for my children to call me. <laughs> my children never bother me to call me. I love for them to call me. I told you I'm reading the biography of Teddy Roosevelt and he was famous when he was in the White House for having dignitary, meeting with you know ambassadors and dignitaries and the staff got so ill because his children were free. His seven children were free at any time to fly through the door and visit with him. And he told him one time when the British ambassador was in there and his son found a green snake in the uh, bushes around the White House and came flying through the door to show it to him and dropped it on the ambassador and like scared him spitless. <laughs> but he, here's a man who is running the world, but his children are welcome to interrupt him anytime and say hey to daddy. That's what it means that he, he comes down and you're created. You say, well, Brother Ryan, I, what about serving God? I, I thought we were supposed to, I thought we were created to serve God. He has one angel that can do more in five seconds than you can in five lifetimes. He didn't create me to serve Him, although I do and I love it, any more than I created my children to serve me and work for me. If I created my children to work for me, I lost money. You did too. The Bible said this in 1 Corinthians 3, we actually were created to co-labor with Him. We are co-laborers with Him. He don't need me. To work for him uh, here, here's a picture of this my son graduated from nc state moved to the coast and he is a craftsman he does woodworking on uh, hatteras yachts he went down there to work for hatteras not, i'm sorry not hatteras uh jared where's the boy work at <laughs> jared bay he went to work on yachts, yachts for Jarrett Bay. He does the interior design woodworking and crafts that fine wood. These yachts retail between $12 and $20 million. Very expensive, beautiful woodwork. He does that. It all began years ago when he was a little boy in my wood shop. I'd say, come with me to the shop and let's work together today. And he loved it. And I loved it too. So we'd go and we'd work in the wood shop and we'd make things and make furniture and different stuff like that. And, and uh, I, I enjoyed that so much more than being by myself. I just enjoyed it. And he had a great time. Then he went on into woodworking and I just loved him being in there. Now listen to me, listen to me. I didn't need his help. I could do it by myself. I hope he's not listening tonight. Don't you tell him this. I could actually do it better without him. You know, little six-year-old hands. I could do it faster without him. You know, little six-year-old hands don't move as fast as mine do. But my goal was never to pump out furniture. My goal was to have a relationship with my son and us do things together. That's why the Bible says we co-labor together. If he calls me to do, do something, he calls me to do it to enjoy him and be with him. I'm telling you, there's a reason they call him father. He's a good, somebody brother song. He's a good, good father. You know what the name of our business is? We, we're, we co-labor together. We're, you, know what the name of our, you ever seen a truck says Murphy and Son Company? God and Son Company, that's me and him. We work together on this church. We work together in things in life. And uh, let me tell you how you, let me tell you know, let me tell you, you know you found his, his plan. Psalm 40 verses, he says this, I delight to do your will. I love what I'm doing up here. There's no labor for me. I love it. And uh, he created it for that. Number two, I was created to enjoy people. My destiny is to enjoy people. You're gonna hear the word enjoy a lot tonight. I was created to enjoy God. I was created to enjoy people, and I want you to, I want us to look in a book that I love. Okay, I'm sorry. I love this book dearly. It's the book of, it's the book where the world's wisest man is struggling with life's greatest questions. Tell me the name of the book, Ecclesiastes. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes. It's and listen, life's dear ones. Life's big questions never change through the ages. Technology changes. Methods change, but the big question of why am I here, what makes me happy, what makes life good, those questions never changed for thousands of years. And those questions are dealt with in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want you to look at me in the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I, I, I almost said I love this book again. This book changed my way of thinking about things. Because I've been taught in religion that the important things in life are this. But the book of Ecclesiastes taught me, no, the important things in life before God are this. And here they are. And I was shocked. And I I read Ecclesiastes. I just said, you all right. I talked to him like that. I said, yay. I said, I didn't like what they wanted me doing anyway. I like this stuff. Read with me in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter three. We look at a few. Verse 10. I've seen the God-given task Ecclesiastes 3.10, with which the son of men are to be occupied. Now, just stop right there. Has God given me a task? What does it mean? I've seen the God-given tasks with which men are to be occupied. Has God given me something to do and I'm supposed to be doing it? Does it say that? Clearly. I've seen the God-given tasks with which men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. That's a great promise right there. Just give it time. He's put eternity in their hearts. Nobody can find things out. Verse 12. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and do good in their lives that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It is the gift of God. When God says nothing is better, nothing is better than to enjoy what you do. This is the gift of God. Let me make an announcement. There's nothing more important according to the Bible than that you eat and drink and enjoy your labor. This is the gift of God. Do you you get the feeling he wants you to enjoy your life and to rejoice? Now, I want you to to watch this about people. Turn with me to uh, chapter nine, verse seven. Boy, you talk about asking me to do something I enjoy. (laughs) Well, I shouldn't have said that with the first verse, but I'm gonna throw it in. I was referring to a later verse here. Ecclesiastes nine, seven. Go eat your bread with joy. Who said that? You need to smile when you eat. Go eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. God has already accepted your works. Let your garments be white, your head like no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, short life, which He's given you under the sun, all the days of your short, short life. That is your portion in life. What did God call me to do? What's my portion in life? What's my calling? live joyfully with the wife of my youth. He's called me to be married and enjoy it and enjoy the wife of my youth. I thought it would be, be a missionary, win the world and write Bibles. I mean, write books and stuff. What did he call me to do? Enjoy your life. Enjoy your day-to-day life. Enjoy the woman I've given you. Let me go a little further. Psalm 27 says, behold, children are a pain in the neck. Does anybody know if that's the correct translation? No, no. What does anybody know? What does Psalm one twenty seven say? Children are behold. Children are a gift from the Lord. God gave you that family to enjoy. You say, brother, man, how many? How come so many families are dysfunctional and in trouble? Go back to John ten ten. The thief. Why are so many marriages in trouble? The thief comes to steal the joy of marriage that God created us to enjoy. That same thief came to steal and destroy the families. But that's not his plan. His plan is to do what? To enjoy. To enjoy what he's given us to enjoy. Uh, number three. I'm not number three in what he's called me to enjoy. Friendships. Life is a team sport. A lot of people have been wounded by people. And they say, I just, I'm just i going to go to Montana and find me a hole and live in it. Don't do that. Because you're taking the main problem with you. I don't care where you go. Life is a team sport. And if God were to have his way and we were to really hit our destinies, there's no greater place to see it. I'm not going to look at it. It would be the greatest place you'll find God shaping life is Acts chapter 2. And it says that they continued in the apostles teaching. They broke bread together. They rejoiced together. They worshiped together. They met each other's needs and they delighted in each other. And you see people loving each other. Here's what the scripture says about me and my relationships with people. God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, the joy we have in the gospel. Listen, God created us to be put in with people and to enjoy family and to enjoy people. And that my, my call in life is not to be a preacher. It's to enjoy people and to get along and, to love and build relationships that I love. Let me tell you something. Relationships are wonderful or they'll kill you depending on which side of John chapter 10, verse 10 is in operation at the moment. We're created to enjoy people. Number three, we're created to enjoy all things he created, predestined. I want to show you a verse, and I'll never forget. I was thinking about this the other night. Uh, 1984, a group of teenagers came to my house. We were pastoring a little church in Solar City. One night, a group of teenagers came to my house. And they had a little ministry going there and I was helping them and discipling them some. And I remember taking this verse and showing it to them and talking to them about this verse that night. And Mike Smith, who's our middle school pastor now, was one of those teenagers that night that was there. I want you to look with me in 1 Timothy chapter six. 1 Timothy chapter six. All right, now, now, I believe God created me for a purpose. I believe I'm predestined. And so far my destiny is to enjoy him and enjoy people. All right, there's something else I'm supposed to enjoy in life. You, have you ever done a study on how many times the word enjoy is in the Bible? It's in there over and over and over. Guess who wrote the Bible? As a, husband, I mean, as a father, I'm a father, and there's nothing I love more than to see my kids sitting around miserable. Talk to me. I mean, you love to see your kids depressed and miserable. I want to see my kids enjoy themselves. All right, this is that great verse where it talks about things that he's given me in life. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17 says this, command those who are rich in this present age not to be cocky, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. All right, listen, don't put your trust in your money, trust God. What's these words? Who gives us richly all things. Why did he give me all things? What does it say? To enjoy. enjoy. You'd be surprised what he's put in this earth for me to enjoy. Let me just go through my list real quick. You got your list. God put the outdoors here for me to enjoy. He planted fish in the water for me to enjoy. He did. Who do you think made fish? I can show you that in the Bible. He put the beauty of the outdoors for me to enjoy. I love to be out there. He He created good food for me to enjoy. A lot of I've seen them, my wife. She's one of them vegetarians, and they they don't you know they don't eat meat. They eat tree bark and birdseed and stuff like that. And that's fine. But the Bible said about food, nothing is to be refused, but it's to be received with thanksgiving from the hand of God. And uh, some people love animals. I love animals too, especially with gravy and and biscuits and stuff like that. (laughs) Now I'm not talking about excess where you damage your health. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, He could have just made hay (laughs) and and water. And we could all live on hay and water. Why did he create Chick-fil-A? if he didn't want me to enjoy my life. One of the great things God has done for me recently is to open an ice cream place in Sourced City. And me and mama ride down there and we get the, the, it's called, you look on it, it says, Butter Pecan by God. (laughs) I'm being sort of cute, but let me tell you something. What does it say in that verse? He has given me all things to enjoy. And one of the things me and my sweetheart love to do, who's my wife, we, we love to go bicycling. We love to ride bikes. Well, we got over that running thing real quick the day after we got married. She still runs, but we love to bike together. We love to go down to like Beaufort and ride and, and look at, watch the coastline and Harker's. Island. We just love to, we ride all, just have the best time and enjoy the outdoors and enjoy that. We love being together and enjoy that. That is the gift of God to me. Amen. He created her and that for me to enjoy. There was, we need to get on with enjoying our life if we're going to fulfill our destinies. He created music. Guess why? There is no way that the angry God of some churches could have created music. He created music. Why did he create music? Go back to that verse for me to enjoy. Now, some music's so dumb I can't enjoy it. <laughs> Apparently, somebody can, not it wouldn't be on the radio. But, and I'm not just talking about religious music. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm in trouble now. Here comes email. <laughs> carnal, got a carnal preacher. Carnal preachers out there listening to that myth. I listen, music expresses the heart of God. And I, I just love to listen to it. I believe he created dancing. So you can tell I'm not a Baptist. He created dancing. And uh now not for some of you. See some of you have to try. He didn't create it for you. <laughs> That's not your calling. Listen, everything in this life, he created diet root beer for me to enjoy. I mean, now you you make your list. He did not pervert what he created into sin that destroys people. He didn't do that. But he created all things for me to enjoy. And you you say, Brother Ben, what's God's calling on your life to enjoy what he created? That's my destiny. And listen to me. Every day I waste fretting and fuming about what's not right. I am missing my destiny for that day. This is the day the Lord has made. This day, not tomorrow, this day. And I'm going to, what's the word? Rejoice. Rejo- what's the root of the word rejoice. rejoice? Joy, real close to enjoy. And be mad in it. God created, that. this is the day he created. And he created this day for me to be glad and enjoy it and rejoice in it. I'm going to get on with doing what he created me to do. He created. Believe it or not, now this is going to sound crazy. I'm going to get wild here. He created church for people to enjoy. Amen. You should enjoy going to church. Have you ever seen the, uh, the, the movie uh, of, the, of the, uh, the, the preacher who got the great transformation of the preacher? What was that movie? Is that remember? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, you're not going to admit you go to movies because you don't know you can enjoy them too. Never mind. Shouldn't brought that up. But it was, He created church to be enjoyed. When church is what he meant for it to be, you will, you will, you you can't wait to get there. Do not accept what it's become in America. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, you know, it's sort of like I've been, as a preacher, I've had to eat everything put in front of me. And through the ages, I've been fed some stuff. And I've always tried to smile and throw up later. Not always. Most times it's pretty good. But there have been times where I've been fed stuff and I thought, do you just hate me? not being unkind, but uh, the design is to enjoy it. And if church was ever what he meant for it to be, you would love the relationships, you'd love coming. Church is not supposed to be miserable and endured. And uh, he created everything for us to enjoy. One more. And then number four, the scripture teaches, I was created by God to enjoy accomplishment. Uh, to sit around and do nothing is so far from our destinies. We were, what's the first thing God told man to do in the Bible. Do you remember? He created man one, put him in the earth and he said then what's the first two words? Be fruitful. Be success, bear fruit means accomplish. Do something. Shine son. Accomplish something. Be fruitful. And uh, I, I was created for that. The Bible teaches that when we miss our destiny, we just trudge through life. Samson is a great picture of a man who was created by God to accomplish things and help people. But when he fell into sin and bondage, he never helped anybody again. He never accomplished anything. We were created to accomplish and uh, to be fruitful. I want you to listen to what uh, he said to Abraham. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. That was his destiny. That's your destiny to be a blessing in the earth. All right. If you're in business, if you've got a job or you're in business or whatever, you need to be, he wants you to do well in that business. He wants you to be blessed in that business. trudging to work and hating work is so far from our destinies. We were not created to be like that. We were created, at the book of Ecclesiastes it says, you're to enjoy the work of your hands. So I hate my job. We, all right, I'll deal with that in a little bit. The rest of this book tells you how to fix what's wrong we should enjoy it. It's not just accomplishment, not just in your job. For instance, uh, I know I've got a friend who's an artist. I was looking at some of her paintings yesterday. If you're, if you're an artist, you need to be great at art. And you need to enjoy it. And I can't write my name where you can read it. And whether you make money at it or not, you should do it. If you do woodworking, you should shine at it. If, you're, if you love to cook, you should do great cooking. And then call me. And you need to... <laughs> Whatever you, gardening. If you love to garden, do it great. Grow the world's greatest tomato and bring it to, and then, and then give it away and, and enjoy it. And, but this sitting around staring at TV, we are missing our destiny. And that's why people are so dissatisfied because we were not created to sit on our butts till Jesus gets back. We were created to accomplish, whether it's, whether it's helping people, building God just put it in the human heart to accomplish. And people never come more alive than when they've got a dream and a vision and they're on it. And you, listen, you can work and never get tired if you love what you're doing. And you found something you enjoy. or I, I don't know, cross-pollinating tomatoes, whatever. This is the best. Listen, if I'm in ministry, we all have a chance to be in ministry. Don't just poke through, bear fruit. Make it count. Do great at what you do. We were created like that. Now, let me ask you a question. And this is a telling question. How many of you believe that we're created in his image? That's not hard. Where can you find that? Does anybody know? All right. In the beginning, Genesis. What's the first thing the Bible teaches me and you about God? Does anybody know? What's the absolutely first thing the Bible teaches us about our father? It's found in the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. The first thing it teaches us about him is that he is creative. Guess who created the giraffe? Wasn't he having fun that day? Gabriel, he looks all right with the spots and all. Stretch his neck out and see what it looks like. Stretch it further, Gabriel. (laughs) Pull it on a little bit more. Just take it all the way up there. He created the mountains, the blue ridge, the coastal plain, the sunset. He created all the colors of all the birds, Why didn't he just make a big brown ball with one dumb cow on it to eat? (laughs) What does nature scream about our God? He's the most creative person that ever lived. What's the first thing the Bible teaches me and you about him? In the beginning, God created. He's creative. If I'm made in his image, guess what's inside of me? That same creativity is in there. People are dying because they don't have a chance to create and be creative. I was born to create something. Whether it's a song, a sermon, a verse, a better birdhouse, a bigger tomato, it's in you. You were destined to create something. That's why I think we do such damage to our old people. When they're done working, they retire. We tell them, go sit on your fanny and we'll feed you till you fall over. Your body might get old, but your creativity never dies. Because your spirit never gets old, your spirit's eternal inside of you. So I was born to create and to bear fruit. All right, you got it? How many of you believe you're predestined? You found the will of God for your life tonight to enjoy Him, enjoy people, enjoy everything He put on this earth for you to enjoy. A lot of enjoy. You got to get busy enjoying a lot. And And number four, you were put on this earth to create and to enjoy creating and to be productive and to be fruitful. That's what I was created for. Now, let me quit by saying this. <clears throat> Vision must precede method. Vision has to come. We're trying to do the, we're trying to method in front of vision. It don't work like that. The what has to come in front of the how. I can't do anything in my life till I know what I was put here to do. I mean, my father-in-law and I, we built the house we live in and uh, he's an engineer. So he's a planner by, he's just, he's engineer all the time. He was born to be an engineer. He plans things and he does good at it. But I'm one of those. We'll see how it goes. Probably if we got done, we didn't have one side on the house. We'll see how it goes. And many a time, many a time he, he, we'd be working, I'd be hammering or cutting or something. And he'd just say to me, I can't, I can't figure out what you're doing. Because he's supposed to be helping me. He'd say, I can't figure out what you're doing. That's why I don't know what I'm doing. Just come on. We'll figure it out. Well, he like, he's a blueprint man. I'm a, let's see what comes out of this man. You understand the difference. The ones? You can never hit your destiny till you know what it is. There's no sense in you trying this and trying that. You gotta know what it is. Do you know why so many people are so miserable today? Listen to what the Bible says. Where there is no vision, the people die. They perish. When you don't know what you're put on this earth to do, and you're not after what you're put on this earth to do, that's where you see people just trudging through life. I was in a convenience store at the left, and the guy said, have a good one. <laughs> I started to say, like you doing? Good what? Good good life? What do you mean? We, you will never come alive till you find out what you're supposed to be doing. The what has to come in front of the how. And you find your what in the Bible. The, the one who made you is the only one who can tell you what you're made for. I'm going to tell, tell you this and again. You, you've got to find your destiny. It's got to be written on your heart that you were. he knew you before your mom ever met your daddy and you were created for this. This is why you're put in the earth. And only your creator knows what rocks your heart. Only your creator knows what lights your heart up and makes it full of life. Only the creator can explain, I'm watching people and I know good and well, they don't know why they were created. And they're looking for love in all their own places. And they're looking for fulfillment and trophies and money and success and... Oh, the one who made you is the only one who can tell you what rocks your heart. I told you, I think I went to my daddy's house one day and my daddy's a creator. He likes to make junk. And there was a thing there. He makes things. I looked at that thing and I, I can usually figure out what he's done, but I looked at that thing. I couldn't get it for the life of me. I said, daddy, what is that right there? He said, that's a ho no mo. <laughs> Sounded to me like somebody got saved. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I shouldn't have said that. Sometimes my creativity don't serve its purpose. And uh, he said, it's a ho no mo. I said, what does it do? And he had a long, about a five foot, six six foot, actually shaft of PVC pipe, had a T on the end, two more that went out about this far and a wick went around the corner. He said, you turn it upside down, you screw the cap off, you pour Roundup down in it, put the lid back on, it saturates the wick and you can just touch weeds in the flowers. You don't spray it and kill everything. And that way you don't have to ho no mo. Which is what you do when you get saved. But the deal was, it you know, that's, uh, I looked at that thing, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. I thought it was a door prop. I thought it was made to prop up the hood on a car that lost, that had missed it. I didn't know what it was. Ask the Creator and He'll tell you what it was made for. Ask God, why am I on this earth? Am I an accident? Am I just a Bag of cells by biological chance. Before I knit you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I wrote this stuff down for you. The days were written. Before he created you, he wanted you to know him as a father. He wanted you to know people well and have relationships. He put you here to enjoy ice cream. Fishing, mountain climbing, whatever your thing is. He created this earth and filled it. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And he put it here for you to enjoy. I got a lot to enjoy. That's why I do a lot of enjoying. And he put you here to accomplish. If you're a teacher, change the world. I tell my sweetheart at night a lot of times, baby, we've got to go to bed because you've got to get up and go change the world tomorrow. One child at a time. Whatever you're put on this earth, to do, you've got to accomplish something. That's why you've got to stay with it. That's why, as I told you last Sunday, J.C. Penney lived to be 96 years old because he got up early and went to work every day of his life till he fell over dead. You got to have something to do and you got to find out the what. Now, this, your destiny is the what. The how is the rest of the book. You say, well, I know I was created, but my marriage is terrible. Okay, just do this. Do not accept that. You weren't created to have a bad marriage. You weren't created to have a dysfunctional family. You weren't created to be miserable at work. Find out how to fix from the rest of this book and find your destiny. And so I'm just all upset about what's going on in the nation and I'm, I'm just mad and I'm upset. You weren't created to live like that. You were created to enjoy this day because he made it and you need to rejoice. and be. This book will get you there. But you got to know the what first. And if you have the wrong vision... If you have the wrong vision, you're going to end up like, uh, this is such a prophecy, a prophecy. When I was a young man, uh, you know, this nation, our nation says, this is it, go after this. Don't go after that. When I was a young man, the world's richest man, when I was a teenager, young man, the world's richest man was a man named Howard Hughes. He owned Hughes Lockheed Aircraft. The world's most beautiful woman, the world's most famous movie star was a woman named, Marilyn Monroe. I said, you know how old I am now. And hands down, never been another one like him. The world's most famous singer was the man with the blue suede shoes, Evlas, Evlas Pressey. He was the most famous singer. And that was the world's richest uh, man, the world's most beautiful woman, and the world's most famous person. Surely they got it all. I mean, they got it all, don't they? Howard Hughes became depressed and was such a recluse and locked himself inside his mansion and died a miserable old man as the world's richest man. Marilyn Monroe committed suicide. Not as an old woman, as a young woman. Elvis Presley died in his bathroom reading a book about the supposed skeletal remains of Jesus. His brother Rick said, it's the most miserable human being I've ever known. Dear ones, if you don't know your God-given destiny and you pursue the wrong destiny, You're going to do what the book of Ecclesiastes says. You're going to get to the top of your ladder and find out you leaned it on the wrong wall. Only God can tell you what your destiny is. And thank God, I don't have to be a great singer to hit my destiny. I don't have to be rich to love the woman I'm married to. Everybody can reach their destiny, their God-given destiny. How sad it would be. All right. Clarify the vision of your life. I did this. And listen, I live to love God. I live to know Him. I live to talk to Him. I live to enjoy people. I live. I'm gonna get up more. I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do after thanking Him, I think, time for some of that blueberry jam and whole wheat toast. (laughs) Listen, He created that for me to enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy my day. I don't matter what it is. And if you get around me and you try to make it unenjoyable, I'm gonna smile and disappear. (laughs) This life is too short. I'm too old. I ain't wasting time not enjoying it anymore. You're going to be like the commercial. You'll get to heaven and say, wow, I could have had a V8. (laughs) Father, I want to praise you and thank you so much. The entrance to thy word giveth light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path to direct my steps to the way you've planned. Thank you, your word says that the way of the upright grows brighter and brighter every day until the perfect day. I don't think you created us to be miserable to be fighting, to fail, to struggle, to weep. Your word's very clear. I was created in Christ Jesus for good works that you planned beforehand so I could live in them. I pray for every person in this room. I don't care whether they're famous. I don't care whether they're great singers. I pray for every person in this room. They will get to know you and enjoy you as the perfect father that they will have the greatest friends and family in the world and they will absolutely delight in the people that you've yoked them up with. That they will take time to enjoy everything you've given them. That they'll stop and look at the sunrise and say, you did good. You did good. Everything from what we eat to enjoy to our recreation, that's your gift to us. And I pray for every person in this room that the creativity that is you will be unlocked inside of them where there's artwork, management, gardening, farming, weld, I don't care. But there's a creator living inside every one of them. In Jesus' name, release the creativity of God in these folks. And let them, let them find the passion of finding their destiny. Thank you the people who found their destiny. They're alive. I give you the praise and glory. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.